0: Episode 819. As the Green Bay Packers off-season program ends, we take one last look back before looking ahead. We do that with John Jameson of the Pack to the Future podcast. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. (laughs) Next. Good morning Green Bay Packers fans and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host Brian Carvu. Today, we're talking about Packers minicamp, and to do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by J- John Jamison of the Pack to the Future podcast. Mr. Jameson, how are you this morning?
1: I am doing fantastic, Brian. And let me tell you this, um, I, I, tr- I do my best to attempt uh, to host Pack to the Future, and man, I mean, you... You bring that fire right away, early onset. You get these people jacked up for listening to some Packers talk, and I try and do the same. But I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep listening to you over and over again, and just try and imitate everything you're doing this morning because uh, you got, you got me fired up and ready to rock and roll here.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate the compliment. Um, It's great to have you on the show. Um, Our interview here with John uh, continues and and actually finishes up a series uh, featuring the Pack to the Future podcasters here after we talked to three of your co-hosts previously. Uh, But, John... um, can you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds so or listeners can get to know you a little bit and tell us about the Pact to the Future podcast to kick things off?
1: Well, uh as, as you mentioned, uh, my name is John Jameson. I am a I am one of the I am the only Pack to the Future uh member that is local in Wisconsin. So I am I am in Milwaukee. Um and the other guys that do it with as you guys have probably heard before they are Denver, um, Tennessee, and Virginia. So, um, I, I kind of hold things. I kind of hold the fort down here, here locally, and um, I am Wisconsin sports through and through. I love my Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. You know, you you name it all. Like I, I follow all these teams religiously, and obviously, Packers have always been um, top dog with me. I think that probably speaks for most people. I mean, just the history of this team and you know, just, you kind of, when you're born in Wisconsin, you're just kind of born with green and Gold blood, and it just, it does it doesn't die. So, um, I'm very passionate about the Packers, and, um, I'm just, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for great things this season. And, um, yeah, I mean, so for what, what I do with Pack to the Future is I am, I am the host, and sometimes I'm, sometimes I'll give my opinion on things, but I work with three very talented guys that, um, know the books and all the players and every all the ins and outs of football and these guys do a bunch of research i do i do a fair amount of research but these guys i mean it is what they eat sleep and breathe so um yeah i host i i host all the shenanigans i try to make people laugh and um, just keep it keep it lighthearted, keep a good good flow going and um yeah i mean i'm i'm super excited to be be podcasting for once um This is my first real attempt podcasting, and so far, so far, I got to say, I really enjoy it. So. Good,
0: good. Well, you guys do a good job, and and we're glad to have you on the show, and uh, kind of putting you in the opposite seat here when when you're usually hosting. <laughs> now it's now it's time for me to get your opinion here.
1: Oh boy! <laughs>
0: and uh, we got lots to talk about here. As the Packers wrapped up mini Absolutely. camp last week, and and we're going to take a look back and a look ahead here. And and John, so with with you know the Packers wrapping up the entire off season program. Over the past month or so, what was the biggest takeaway for you?
1: So, um, Brian and I, um, another guy, I do uh, PTTF with. We had kind of we had kind of talked about this on the phone, and I think we even mentioned it a couple times on our podcast. And that was kind of the absence, or what what was going to be the absence of Micah Hyde in the Packers secondary. And we both kind of were thinking about it, and we were like the perfect replacement for Micah Hyde is already on the Packers roster in Demarius Randall and what we saw in the mini camps and OTAs is what what appeared to be the Packers kind of plugging him in to that Micah Hyde role and um, I know that offensively the Packers are kind of you kind of know what you're going to get on that side of the ball I mean it's very high powered high scoring and uh, so deep we're all kind of looking at the Packers defensively right now. So that's kind of where I honed in on. And um, I really do think that Demarius Randall, you know, given, given the opportunity to plug into Micah Hyde's role, I think that he's got the speed and um, the coverability to kind of kind of take over that role and maybe even, maybe even be a shade better than Micah Hyde. So it seemed like the Packers were plugging him into that role in the minicamps. And I, I absolutely, that's my biggest takeaway is I think that that's a very good personnel move.
0: Yeah, I think Micah Hyder, uh, you know, with him being gone and Demarius Randall stepping in, there's a high ceiling there. We've seen the athleticism from Demarius Randall. And I think being a former college safety, this role is this going to fit him pretty well uh, and, you know, hope for the best from him. Um, it, John, veterans were excused from minicamp last week. Is there an older experienced player on the roster that you think benefited the most from the time off? I think
1: that you can – I feel like with that answer, you can always just plug in the name Aaron Rodgers, but um, I'm not going to fit the status quo, and um, I'm just going to do his best friend and say that Jordy Nelson uh, benefited the most from it. I know that when you're coming back from a knee injury like he experienced, um, it kind of took him a little bit to get his wheels under him last season, um, but towards the end of the season it looked like he was definitely getting back into you know normal Jordy ways and I think that any time that he has to just continue, you know, the process of healing. Um, you hope that it's like fully healed by now, but the more rest that he gets, um, is just gonna be so beneficial to him, you know, down the road. He is getting up there in age and you just wanna keep you wanna keep him healthy. I mean, we saw when he went down, I mean, how much the Packers offense struggled I and mean, you you kinda can't fully relate that to just Jordy being out, but he was a huge part of that offense. And, you know, anytime that he has to fully, you know, just get get as much recuperation in as possible, I think that I think that, that benefited him the most.
0: Yeah, it's it's remarkable to think how good Jordy Nelson could have been last year if he started the season like he ended and, and hopefully that's Absolutely. what happens this year with Jordy Nelson. Uh John, how about a younger player on the roster that benefited the most re- from receiving the increased reps with the veterans gone? And
1: for that for that particular question, um I am going to go with Ty Montgomery. Um I know I would I would still classify him as a, as a young gun and um You know, a couple couple years under his belt, and he's transitioning into a new role, obviously, as most of us know by now, and um, the Packers have, he's he's getting more and more um, acclimated to that position, and, you know, the Packers are doing everything that they can to kind of solidify him as the number one option in the backfield. They brought in Brandon Jackson to kind of help him out with, you know, his blocking skills, which... I mean, right now, you know that he has all the physical abilities to, you know, get get quick out of the backfield, catch the balls. You know, the running back um, talent is there. You know, he just has to learn how to, you know, correctly pa- pass block, position himself, things like that. So um, I think that, you know, given more reps that he's gotten in these mini camps and OTAs, I think that's only going to further him. And I really do think that he's going to be – a huge X factor for the Packers in this upcoming season.
0: Yeah. He was the most experienced halfback on the roster just by virtue of, uh, all the veterans <laughs> being gone now with Eddie Lacey and James Starks departing. So, uh, he, he filled that role for the Packers. Now it's time to see if he could take the next step. Um, John out now, now with training camp coming next, what, what's your biggest question about the team left unanswered from the offseason program, that you'll be watching starting in late July in the month of August.
1: I'm going to continue, um, you know, pushing the defensive side of the ball. And I still think, the. I don't know yet if the Packers did enough to address the pass rush in the offseason. Um, obviously, we got a stellar uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin and, um, you know, it's, it's yet to see if if Beagle can really come in and, you know, be, be a, a linebacker that can get to the quarterback consistently. Um, obviously you got Nick Perry. Um, he's, he really took a big step this past season and uh, solidified himself as a amazing pass rusher and um, Clay Matthews. It's, it's a point in his career where you just don't know what you're going to get from him. It's so inconsistent. I mean, there's, there's weeks where he'll have like Z play and then there's multiple weeks that will string together you don't even hear his name. So I don't think the Packers right now did enough to, cost, to dress pass rushing in this offseason. There were a few crafty veterans out there that I think may have been worth a stab at just seeing what they could bring to the table. But um, I'm, I'm really going to be looking in to see, you know, what Beagle has, what, what status Clay is in right now. And, you know, I think the only real certainty that we have for a pass rush right now is Nick Perry. And um, you're just continuing to hope that, you know, he he um, will continue his uh, success that he's been having in this past couple of years. So it's going to be a pass rush for me.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree that's a big question mark moving forward and a lot to accomplish during training camp on that front. We're talking to John Jameson of the Pack to the Future podcast here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. John, uh, the Packers released their training camp schedule on Monday that included 15 practices open to the public, the fewest number in the Mike McCarthy era How do you feel about the decreasing number of practices open to the public from a fan perspective? I,
1: Brian, I don't know if I really have, like, I don't know if I have a a strong opinion on this. I know that, I know that, you know, going to practices and, you know, the, the kids being there with the bikes and it's just the whole aura that goes, that goes along with it. Um, did they decrease the total number of practices or just the ones that are open to the public?
0: Uh, I would say both on a on a small scale. I, I've seen okay. over time that, you know, in 2010, they had 25 practices open to the public. So in the past seven years, it's decreased by 10.
1: Okay. Um, you know, I, I just, I view the Packers right now as, you know they've they've had a lot of the same coaching personnel in place for a while, and you know maybe decreasing the number of practices to the public is meaning that they're maybe getting a little bit more crafty with their playbooks. Um, you know, I know that I know that the middle of the field has kind of been a huge weakness for the Packers, both on offense and defense. And there has to be something that these coaches need to come up with to you know figure out what is actually happening in those. In those instances, and um, you know, I, I hope that the decreased number in practices are just like for public viewing only that they're getting more crafty with the playbook, and they're just trying to keep things closed door. Um, but aside from that, if they're if they're taking away from just overall practices and not practicing as much as they would, I would have I would have concerns on that front. That you know, maybe they maybe they are just kind of stuck in their ways a little bit, and they aren't getting too crafty with the plays. Um, and the and the schemes anymore. So I've, yeah, I, yeah, I guess that would be my answer, Brian.
0: On uh, Tuesday, the Packers announced the nomination of former fullback Dexter McNabb to its board of directors. So, John, not that we have to go in depth on this topic, but how do you feel about <laughs> former players handling the business side of football as opposed to those from the world of business handling those duties?
1: I mean I think that there's I think that there's a a place for for most people I there's there's a lot of former athletes that you know have been very business savvy and they've done I mean incredible. I mean look at look at I mean it's not football related but I mean a guy like Arnold Palmer I mean he created he cre- created himself an empire and he was just he was a business mogul and um I don't think that uh, Dexter McNabb is a quote unquote um business mogul um i think the i think the last i i checked on that he's like a a vice principal or something at, at green bay at a green bay high school um you know i just think that i saw the i saw the guy that he's running up against and this dude um is a pretty successful businessman and i think the players you know they can they can relate to other players and you know become coaches and you know mentor mentor these kids but i don't I just don't see it really being, um, you know, uh, him being a super good businessman per se. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a difficult question to answer here. I'm aware of that. And, and and we'll see how he does in that role going forward. Uh, before we let you go here, uh, John, a, a fun question: Billy Joel played at Lambeau Field over the weekend, got a lot of attention. Is is there a concert you'd like to see at Lambeau Field, and do you think there's a chance it could happen?
1: Oh, this is this is this is a good question here. Um, so I like a very. A very shameful answer is going to be. I would. I would love to see a combination of. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see Drake and Lil Wayne perform at Lambeau Field. <laughs> um, I know. It's, I know it's not typically uh, most people's music style, but I. I love those guys, and I think. I think Lil Wayne, if he just played an hour straight of Green and Yellow, uh, that would be. That would be about all I could ever hope for and wish for. So that'd be, that'd be my answer.
0: That, that would be appropriate at Lambeau Field. I'll, I'll say that. I think it
1: would
0: be. <laughs> John, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to me here this morning. Absolutely. Glad to have you on the show and all the guys at the Pack to the Future podcast, which you, wish you all the best of luck. Thanks again, thank and uh, we'd love to have you back on again sometime.
1: Absolutely, Brian. I guess I, like I, I just appreciate the opportunity from uh, from all of us. Like you said, you got all of us involved in this, and um, that was very cool of you. And you know, continue doing what you're doing. You know, longest you got the longest tenured thing going on here, and <laughs> you know, we just you're, you're just you're just doing it, man. And I, I I appreciate the time. So
0: sounds good. Thanks a lot, man. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: All right, Brian. Have a good day.
0: Yep. John Jameson of the Pack to the Future podcast joining us here at Rail Bird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, listener, join us as we continue on with the show.
1: What the hell's going on out here? I'll
0: try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, there's a couple topics I have opinions on. And thank you, everybody, for your patience after a week off. Uh, as I took my summer vacation but now Railbird Central's back and we're talking Packers football the Packers released their training camp schedule on Monday as we just talked about with John Jameson we previously knew when training camp would open and people knew there would be practices throughout late July and the month of August but now we know precisely when These practices will be held. The first one is going to be on July 27th at 8.15 a.m. Central time, local time. The last is on August 29th at 11.45 a.m. To give you the, the beginning and the ending dates is so that you know when you can, as early as you can come, and the last time you can come before they're closed to the public. In all, there are 15 practices open to the public with a variety of morning, afternoon, and evening practices. They're mostly in the morning, the very first week of camp, switching to two evening practices in advance of the family night practice, the annual event, and and switching to afternoon practices pretty much the rest of camp. Um, the notable takeaway from the practice schedule release was the decreasing number of practices open to the public that we talked about. Whether it's just nostalgia or not, I think it's a shame to see the opportunities to see the Packers decrease so much over the years. I know Jordan Schelling of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, as he shared on social media, looked at how many practices were open to the public over the last several number of years, and admittedly, yes, the decreasing number was largely out of the Packers' hands required by the 2011 NFL Collective Bargaining Agreement. But back in 2010, uh, the year the Packers won the Super Bowl, they had 25 practices open to the public back then, 10 more than they do currently. There was proof then that they were able to be the best team in the league in the world, uh, with, with 25 practices open to the public. So the decreasing number, is it really all that more beneficial? I question that. Really, if you look at the daily calendar, I guess I'm griping with two opportunities the Packers could have practice open to the public. There are two weeks in which they have two practices closed to the public, the media, Every week they have a practice closed to the public the day before a game, which I really don't mind so much i I think you can grant that to a team uh in that you know during training camp when all the others are open, if they want to hold one the day before the game behind closed doors, so be it that's fine it, It's the times when they have too closed to the public that it just seems like an opportunity lost for fans to see the team. And a and a tradition lost, you know. I remember back when I got into covering the team. It was back in 2005 when I literally lived mere blocks from Lambeau Field, and I would walk to practice every day and share my thoughts on what happened when I came back home and blogged about what I saw. And it was kind of a you know when when blogs just first came into existence, more or less. Uh, the opportunity for someone to do that these days is nearing the point where that's almost being cut in half. Uh, and it's just such a neat tradition to see the team practice. It's a shame to see fewer of them. With with everything that happens at training camp practice, from uh, the players riding the kids' bikes and, and just the longstanding tradition of the Packers holding, if not – the oldest one of the oldest you know training camp practices in the same location every year hosted at you know St Norbert College where the where the Packers stay and they have to come to practice at Lambeau Field and uh, you know there's just a summer tradition there that so many people came come to see uh, i think you know the Green Bay Press Gazette has published statistics like 90,000 people will come to Green Bay to you know uh, in Take part in all the activities the Packers kind of hold in the run up to camp, you know, they hold, you know, a 5k run and other things like that. And, and, you know, there's a economic impact that's in the millions of dollars that this helps the community. There's so much there that's to like about all this. And it just it, it gets smaller all the time, and I, I don't exactly know why. When when there are opportunities like these two practices that are close to the public, there's opportunities to have them open. Why not? Why not? I, I don't see what's being gained when the Packers held these practices open to the public. They were the world champions, and, and now they're not doing that anymore. So that's one gripe of mine. And I have another gripe here, and it's, again, maybe... It's a small one, but, you know, one one more reaction to what happened at minicamp before we kind of close the door on that. Well, you know, one of the biggest pieces of news was the participation of Kevin King, the Packers' top pick in the NFL draft. You know, it became well known that King couldn't participate in the three weeks of OTA practice because of an NFL rule-preventing players whose skills – pardon me, whose schools – are, were still in session, preventing them from practicing. Back then, uh, it you know Christian McCaffrey was another very high profile notable one. He was prevented from practicing with the Carolina Panthers. But anyway, you know school ended and Kevin King came back and he took part in mini camp with the Green Bay Packers. It wasn't the entire off season program, but it was you know the last week he could take part and. And, and one of the big things that people noticed and, and the, the coaching staff admitted to was, was having him take part in individual drills but preventing him from taking part in team 11 on 11 drills. And I'm not really sure why the Packers did that. In fact, I think it hurting them if anything else I I suppose I could understand you know there there were three days of minicamp and maybe the first day his first practice back you could have Kevin King take part in individual drills and kind of watch what happens in 11 on 11s kind of ease them back into things let him see what the other guys are doing so he gets acclimated and all that sort of stuff but there were two more practices after that and i realized the last practice was kind of a, a glorified type of thing and not much of a practice anyway but i'm not exactly sure what the packers gained by keeping kevin king out of any 11 on 11s and and you know i'm i'm i didn't see it myself and i'm taking this from a report from rob Domovsky of espn.com and assuming its accuracy here um but uh, what did uh, You know, I take a look and I compare this to, you know, the Packers' second-round pick, J- their, their second pick, Josh Jones, also plays in the secondary for the Green Bay Packers. I don't remember any reports out of the first week of OTAs. He was around the whole time. That was his first opportunity to practice. I don't remember there being any reports of him, or any other rookie for that matter, being withheld from 11-on-11 drills because of, I, I don't, it, it just, it didn't happen. I didn't hear it happen, at least, again. I, I wasn't privy to it, I wasn't there to see it, but I had heard reports about about Josh Jones and others taking part in 11-on-11 drills, team drills. Yeah, I think that's great. So why are we preventing Kevin King, the top pick, the guy who you have high hopes for, the guy you invested the most into, why are we not giving him the team reps during the offseason? <laughs> and I I don't see what the Packers be- gained by doing so. Yeah, he was gone for a little while, uh but it's not as you know from everything I've heard, you know, he he was, you know, at least taking part in meetings, he was, you know, kind of at least mentally into it. And, and I'm sure he was practicing on his own in terms of keeping in shape. At least that's what the reports I've heard. You know that that he could do that and and did do that for to to my knowledge. Uh, so what did the Packers gain by preventing him from doing anything in a week of minicamp? I, I it it's it's beyond me. You, you know, I, it, if he makes a mistake, so what? Uh, or if he makes a few mistakes, is are you afraid of him going into a shell that this is going to set him back so far that you know he he, he it's a hole he's never going to crawl out of <laughs> that is quite the exaggeration if you know if if i could ever think of one i here during mini camp when veterans were excused so devon house was gone by the way anyhow that only provided another opportunity one more person gone for the young players to do so and is it a cornerback thing i didn't I didn't hear anything about you know the Packers only drafted one cornerback uh, but they signed a few other undrafted free agents. Um, I didn't hear about them being limited uh, in their practice reps or anything like that. so it, it's it really I'm at a loss for this. I don't know what the Packers gain by doing this. I think they only could have benefited and Kevin King definitely could have benefited from taking part in 11 and 11s. You got me Packers. Uh, I, I understand, you know, you, you want to ease them back in. And I thought maybe you would do that the first day, but then it continued. I don't know why I'm at a loss. Finally, last topic here. Brett Hundley wants to be traded for a first round draft pick. And this was revealed in a column just published uh, yesterday, so on Tuesday, by Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, in which he interviewed Brett Hundley and uh, probably interviewed him during minicamp or during the off-season program and not published until yesterday. But I just thought it was interesting, uh, Hundley basically admitting uh, he wants to be traded for a first-round pick. and, And here's the quote directly from Brett Hundley, quote, Everybody wants the house to be traded for them because that's showing what a team values you for, end quote. And I think, you know, my opinion on this is coming from a selfish perspective. Obviously, you know, Brett Hundley, he's he's going to be the backup quarterback for the Packers this season, and that's probably going to be it. To look, you know, go back further in time, he, of course, was drafted by the Packers in the fifth round of the NFL draft, probably. Later than most people anticipated. Uh, Some, you know, I don't think anybody thought he was a first rounder back when he came out. Um, I think some people thought maybe before his last season in college, he could be. Uh, But anyway, you know, he drops further than anybody thought the Packers trade up to actually get him in the fifth round because he was still available back then. I think that was a great move uh, for something that didn't cost him a whole heck of a lot. Uh, they get him in the 5th round and and now his you know his stock is growing as he's been mentored by Aaron Rodgers and and has performed well especially his first training camp with the Green Bay Packers and and now as the opportunity the Packers now have the opportunity to trade him in the the upcoming offseason you know for something significantly higher they can turn a 5th round pick into Potentially a first, and 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 I don't know if they could ever get a first-round pick for Hundley, but I think a second would be great. And why not? I mean, you know, and, and I think it would be a great move for a team. You know, obvious. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback for the foreseeable future, so there's not really an opportunity for Brett Hundley unless Aaron Rodgers were to suffer a major career-ending injury. Knock on wood nobody wants that to happen um so brett hundley you know understandably is going to want to go to a place where he can become a starter and i think that's great for for an nfl team out there you look at all these teams that invest high round draft picks into quarterbacks you know why do you, why are you going to go invest so much into an uh, unproven quantity where you could just as easily you know invest a second round pick into a guy like brett hundley who's more experienced that show than and showed at least in the preseason that he could play at the NFL level. I think it's perhaps no less of a gamble on a guy like him than it would be, you know, than uh Mitch Trubisky being taken so high in the NFL draft that, you know, I, I'm not sure there's any more of a risk between either of them. I I don't think the the ceiling is so high on Mitch Trubisky that he's uh you know uh, a no questions asked sure fire prospect. Uh I think Brett Hundley could have just as much success of as him. And when you look at what Aaron Rodgers did in sitting 3 years on the bench and how good he became, uh Brett Hundley could do the exact same thing. Maybe not be quite as good, but still a good player in the NFL and and anyway, again, it's it's just selfishness on my part. I'd love the Packers to see to get as high a pick as they can because I think that's only going to help the team out in the future if they were to get an extra second-round pick next year, let's say. That would be great for the Packers. I'd love it. And then the Packers could, you know, develop another quarterback, whether that's Joe Callahan or somebody they pick up next year to be the new backup in 2018. Obviously, that's to be determined uh, and a little too early to get into right now. Uh but best of luck to Brett Hundley and I'm glad you put the I'm glad you put that out there that you think you want to be traded for a first round draft pick. I think it only gets other teams thinking that you could be worth that. So thanks Brett and best of luck wherever you end up in in the future and best of luck to you for the time being being a member of the Green Bay Packers. Next segment. The day ahead. I You know, I don't have the exact date because every team in the NFL is different, but the NFL's rookie transition program takes place in late June and could be happening as we speak in Green Bay. The rookie transition program takes the place of the former rookie symposium. Does that that event ring a bell? You know, they, they don't have that anymore uh, because it used to be just open to draft picks in the NFL. And and as we know, it, draft picks really only make up about half of the rookies in the NFL. You know, you probably double that amount when you include all the undrafted players. And, you know, why should we hold things against them just because they went undrafted? So the NFL basically abolished the rookie symposium. There were things they wanted to keep doing, though, and taking its place is the transition program for uh, required by all rookies in the NFL to attend. It basically takes place for a week on NFL campuses on a team-to-team basis. There are certain topics they need to cover in which, you know, it's not so much orientation anymore. It's about helping them transition to the NFL and handling mostly off-the-field things handling their financials and putting them in a good position and and helping them, uh, giving them the tools to su- su- succeed, letting them know the resources available to them, if they need help financially, if there are things they need to do. I know the Packers do things like, you know, if they need a ride somewhere, if they've had a drink and they don't want to drive, there's a certain phone number players can call and have them be picked up, and it'll be paid for by the Packers, or at least part of it will. Letting them know these kind of resources and things that, you know, just keeping them out of trouble, uh, whether it's, you know, out of trouble from a legal standpoint or, you know, out of trouble from a financial standpoint. There are things that can help these players, and that's what this week is all about. So players will be. You know, while minicamp ended and most of the players pretty much from year two onward get the heck out of Dodge, so to speak, you know, they're, they're allowed to go on their summer vacation and, and go back home and whatever, you know, for about a month before training camp starts, uh, the rookies stay behind for an extra week and they take part in this program. And, you know, that's, that's just giving them these this extra training, this extra learning opportunity to learn about these kind of topics and and prepare them for, you know, basically their first venture into the world of work. And, you know, I think that would be a good thing for any line of duty, any line of work, you know, your first getting your first job out of college. It's a great thing. And and that's what's happening right now uh, with the Green Bay Packers. And and just finally here, if you're looking ahead, one last thing. Um, Tonight, uh, on Wednesday, it is the Pack at the Park theme night by the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, And it's a Packers-themed event going on, uh, revolving around the Brewers game as they take on the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates tonight in Green Bay. Uh, The Brewers released a limited edition green and gold-themed hat, which as a fan you can get with the purchase of a special ticket they are still available last i saw um it probably cost you a little bit more than the normal ticket price to go to a brewers game but it is not exceedingly more and there's going to be special things happening throughout the throughout the game throughout the night that are packers related the first pitch is going to be thrown out by packers president mark murphy there's going to be appearances by select Packers alumni. There's going to be entertainment featuring the Packers drum line. There's all these sort of things. I even saw there's like a, a you know, a and a, a Q&A with Mark Murphy. If you want to get a, tip, a ticket above and beyond, this is even more expensive now. But it includes like an hour-long Q&A with Mark Murphy. You can, Dinner is provided for you with a buffet and drinks and all those sort of things you know that that's even a little more expensive but if you really wanted to del- delve into the Packers tonight you could do that if you lived in the Milwaukee area or within driving distance of a Packers game this is all happening Wednesday evening go check it out as i always like to do tell you what's happening in the world the little world of the Green Bay Packers um you know uh, as much as i possibly can so There's your Packers connection for a Wednesday evening, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to John Jameson for being our guest today as Railbird Central is back after a brief hiatus for summer vacation. We're back, and we'll be back again on Friday. In fact, I've already got Friday's guest lined up. Lori Nickel of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who's has covered the Green Bay Packers, is going to be our guest as we talk more Packers football and what's happening at Lambeau Field this upcoming weekend. It'll be a really cool interview, I think, and encourage you to check it out. Rail Bird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show podcasting and on-demand later in the day. It'll be 8.15 a.m. this upcoming Friday if you want to watch the live edition. Uh, we'll see you folks. Have a good Wednesday. We'll talk to you again in just two days. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirivu. I leave you today with a song called uh, Hard Livin' by Railroad Earth on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go!